Joyce Kwok. She's going to be a uh, junior at West Orange High School, right? Is that right? Um, and then Ryan, the refrigerator Lee, he's going to come share. He'll be a junior at uh, Haggerty High. And then Monica um, just got into the nursing school at uh, University of Central Florida will be coming to share. So I'm um, not going to come up here anymore. So um, Joyce, Ryan, Monica, in that order. Okay. Thank you. There she is. Round of applause. Mission trip to Dominican Republic. Honestly, I was unsure about going to the mission field. My relationship with, with God was rock bottom. I was confused, blinded by worldly things, and felt brainwashed. How was I supposed to go to do God's work when I felt and thought this way? God was always with me, yet I pushed him away from my life for a long time. All I wanted to do this summer was study for SAT, but God wanted something greater. He wanted me to bring him into my life again. One of the two things that hit me the most were the people in DR. It wasn't how poor the country was or how the people were living, because it was more than that. We missionaries come from a place with AC and technology, but even so, I felt as though we were lower than them. We came to help them, but they actually helped us because they showed us what true communication is. Sure, we have communication, but we don't have a deep conversation before long. Someone says, this is awkward. There, there everyone at the church knew about everything. There were no cliques, and they all seemed like a huge family. And now that I'm home, I sometimes picture a smile from a child, a smile that brought me such warmth. Even though we didn't know each other, they would always hug me, hold my hand, and try to talk to me. They brought me such happiness and love. Secondly, I um, remember the nights when (laughs) we would um, um me that is as a team. Uh, in the second week, um, I just wanted to go home because I was hurt um, physically and emotionally. I kept holding everything inside, which was frustrating my team members. Um, I would cry.
Hi, for those that don't know me, my name is Ryan Lee. Uh, but in the Dominican Republic, I had a different name. At VBS, uh, which was our children's program in the DR, the kids uh, all wanted to know our names. They would, uh, they would say, que es tu nombre, or hey, what's your name? <laughs> uh, I, would, uh, I would say Ryan, and the kids would say, como, como, which is what, what? And uh, I would have to say my name at least five more times for them to understand. Uh, then I decided to make it easier for the kids by changing my name to R Ricardo, um, which is a Spanish name. Uh, the kids understood me much better. Uh, everyone said our team was small, but that had many benefits. We were able to travel easier since we could all fit into one car. Uh, we were able to know when one person was missing. Uh, <laughs> but the greatest thing about being a small team is that we were able to grow closer together as a family. Pal and I are like best friends now. DR has brought many blessings, but there were also many challenges. Uh, but challenges make the end even sweeter. This included us getting eaten up by mosquitoes. At one point, Powell had over 40 bites all over his body. Another thing was our sister Joyce injured her foot and felt sick. Uh, on the first day, we sat in the airport in Santo Domingo for three hours because our missionaries thought we were coming in the very next day. In spite of this, we had such a blessing time. Uh, the church we worked for had several things planned for us, included manual labor, which is painting, uh, VBS for over 800 kids, uh, Pal preached at a couple sermons, evangelism, which included testimonies, and many skits, and we ate. The food in DR is awesome. I thought I would lose weight, but I actually didn't. Uh, but that was just the church's plan. God's plan was much better. One true blessing was having Powell uh, lead our small groups. While the DR humbled me, I was most blessed during our time as a team. In one of our small groups, Powell talked about God's plan. The picture changes when you add God into it. God put me in a Spanish class in high school, not just to fulfill a requirement, but so that I can communicate with the Dominican people. I love these people now. Uh, God put me on this team to realize uh, that my work is in uh, missions. Uh, my heart was made to serve and reach out for those in need. Although we joke around being a small team, it was God's plan for us to be this way. Uh, Pastor DL described our team as Gideon's army and judges. No matter what size the army, God's work will still be done. Uh, we, we also saw God's plan and how Monica was waitlisted for nursing school, but it was, only, uh, it was only when she got to the DR that she found out she got in. In God's plan, she saw that uh, as, as a nurse, she needed... She was needed in the Dominican Republic. God plan, uh, God's plan often calls us to wait patiently to see his plan unfold. Uh, I love the DR, and it was a blessing, to, um, and it will be a blessing to go again next year, but this time we take my brother. Thank you for supporting our, our team financially, but even more through your prayers. Prayers are being answered in the DR. Thank you for sending me and this team. Gracias. I'm Monica Lee, and I just want to start off by saying how awesome our God is. Yeah. <laughs> he has done some beautiful things in the Dominican Republic and is worthy of praise. 
Um, so my mindset before this trip was very wrong and disturbing. Uh, I selfishly really wanted to go to Ecuador because Ecuador is so beautiful and the temperature is so cool and the food is so good and it's very different than the Dominican Republic. And my experience three years ago when I went before um, was not as awesome or pretty as Ecuador, um, Ecuador's, but I did not request a switch. A number of factors came into play and I stuck with the DR. Thank you, Lord, for leading me there. Um, God decided to make our team small and intimate, and we were able to share the deep feelings in our hearts. And the celebration seemed even sweeter, um, but this was all because of Gloria de Jesus. And um, we were able to build relationships with the Dominican people, even through the language barrier. And it was actually kind of good because... Um, we couldn't really verbally communicate, um, and through verbal communication, we oftentimes lie, But uh, and people always say that I'm doing good, but they're actually really hurting inside, and through this um, not verbal communicating, I was able to see the heart of the Domin Dominican people and um, really see their actions, and a heart for God is louder than any translation. Um, I was able to use the training we have done for the last couple months and evangelized and shared my testimony a few times. And a sister named Haiti received Jesus one night, and it was really a highlight of my trip. Um, another one big truth that I really learned in the DR would be how faithful our God is, how truly devoted he is to us, and how deeply he loves us. Uh, so... I've been waiting to go to nursing school, and if you guys are close to me, that's all I talk about. And um, you probably heard of this a million times. I took the tests, I took my classes, applied, and was waitlisted. And then throughout the process, I was confident in my own grades, my GPA, my test score, and I thought I would get in on my own, but I was waitlisted. And, um, I threw a fit for a while, but through Harvest 201, I was able to see that God is the author of my life, and he's writing my story, and I realized I had nothing to worry about. Um, while in the DR, I heard that I was no longer waitlisted, but accepted into the program, and he opened a door for me um, when I thought it was locked. And through this timing, I was able to rely on God and see how faithful he is to me um, because his timing is always perfect. So um, I shared this answered prayer to the Dominican people, and I made them a promise. Uh, it might have been a spur-of-the-moment type of thing, but I really feel like it was a cry of my heart. I told them, that after I finished studying and was an actual nurse, I would go back and serve them with the skills that God has blessed me with. I didn't tell this to my parents, so they're going to be like, oh. <laughs> um, it was God's perfect planning that I would receive my acceptance while seeing the need in the DR. There's a lot of sickness in the Dominican Republic, sickness called streptococcus and sickness called sin. And God can use me to cure these. 
So please pray for me as I continue my walk with Christ. Please pray for my studies, that its purpose would be for God's glory and not my own. And please pray for the sick in the Dominican Republic. And thank you for your prayers. And let's finally celebrate. Our Savior is here and he loves us so much. I'm kind of used to preaching down there on Saturdays, a different view. <laughs> um, amen. Uh, let's give a hand to just uh, just uh, those testimonies. Um, you know, um, I'm uh, very, very proud of my team. You know, even hearing the testimonies just now. Um, gosh, Gloria de Jesus. <laughs> we said that many, many times while we we're in the DR. Um, you know, just from the testimonies, you can just—it's obvious. And you know, so today, you know, it's, I'm going to share part of my testimony as well as a challenge for us uh, to preach this gospel. You know, wh- why did we go to DR? Why, why are we going to Ecuador? Uh, you know, our Ecuador team is leaving right after service, after, after small groups. Um, so, but uh, let me actually pray and we'll begin this morning. Father, we thank you for just this time that we have this morning to reflect and to hear these testimonies and to come before you uh, with just this uh, reflection of the DR team and even uh, as we are about to send off the Ecuador team, uh, we just are filled with so much excitement. And so this morning, I pray, would you meet us, meet us now. Reveal to us this powerful truth of the gospel that it will be so clear in our hearts that it will be wanting to burst from our hearts because this gospel, this good news is so good. And so as we look at your word this morning, we pray that it would challenge us and that even as uh, I share my own testimony, uh, that it would um, that even those who weren't able to go, that they would see a glimpse of just uh, what we saw. And that as a DR team, we would bring back just the, the blessings and the, and the realizations. And so may all glory be to you this morning. We thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Uh, in the DR, uh, when people say amen, they say amen. <laughs> There's really, I had to get used to it, but uh, they say it so much. You know, they say it like during preaching, you know, you know like, I mean, I was like, bless you. You know, I thought somebody like sneeze or... You know, like, you know, this one pastor, he's, after every point, he's like, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. <laughs> it was so fiery. Uh, so I tried that, but it didn't really work as well. Uh, but if you feel so led 
can say amen. But uh, this year, uh, this DR trip was a very special trip. Um, you know, as we were hearing, as we were hearing, just these testimonies of uh, even our group. You know, we were, as we were preparing, we had no idea uh, we would expect uh, what we were going to expect. You know, uh, usually this DR trip is you know a big trip. 20 people come, and we have amazing memories, past experiences. Uh, and then little by little, you know, our team of like 10 or so, right? 10, 10 was big, but, you know, still not as big as past years. We slowly started dwindling. It was like, oh, what's happening, you know? Um, and slowly our 10 became the Fab Four, right? The uh, Fabulous Four, Monica, Ryan, Joyce. They called her Joyce. But she didn't really like that. <laughs> uh, and Ricardo. Um, but, you know, people dropped out for various reasons, some, you know, very legitimate. Um, but you have to understand, this DR trip is a massive trip. Like, week one, you get there, you know, they feed you because they know you, they're going to use you. You know, they cram all this food into you because they know this week is going to be brutal, right? Morning times, you wake up five, you know, five something in the morning. You know, you don't even waste your time, like, brushing your teeth or anything like that. You just go. You're so tired. You just, like, wake up, like, oh, my gosh, I got to go. And then we just wake everyone up, and you go to the morning prayer meeting every day, 530. And then, you know, you go. You, usually, because there's big teams that come, you they make them run. But we didn't have to run this time. So that was a blessing. <laughs> um, and so we, you know, all, all day throughout the week, you, the first week there, we did all these VBSs. You know, we would have these humongous VBSs. And then, you know, that's from the morning time to afternoon and after lunch, the fetus. And then go out again, go into the small villages, and we did VBSs. And that was pretty much our week one. And then week two, all manual labor. And pretty much, you know, there's two guys on the team, you know. So we did the manual labor. You know, and the girl's like, oh, you can rest. <laughs> Pray for us, you know. Um, but, you know, understanding that this is the type of trip, we were like, we we're like, oh, my gosh, how, this is how it's been for the past, you know, couple years. What can four people do? You know, uh, we we're only like four people. We can do we half the skits we can't really do because this requires more than four people. You know, so we have to, like, play different people. You know, I'm I'm the father. I'm the mother. You know, uh, so we were doing all these things and we, we realized, man. What, 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 people even were like, man, I w- we should just join the Ecuador team, you know? It's just four people, okay? Let them, the other people do it better anyway, so let them do it, and then we'll just join the Ecuador team. Um, but, you know, even two of our members were newcomers. First mission trip, you know? First mission trip, some first time out of the country, first time in DR, and that's half the team. And so we were like, okay, wow. Wow. Regardless, I'm going to do a lot of work, you know. Um, but, you know, through that process of wrestling and thinking about, oh, what are we going to do over there? You know, we can't. We usually bring a lot of crafts. We didn't bring anything because we can't bring the many crafts for like 800,000 of kids. Uh, but we received this one email from the pastora there, uh, Reverend Choi's wife. And she kind of gave us this you know, vision, this kind of uh, vision to look forward to. And it comes from Isaiah 60. Uh, you don't have to turn to it yet, but Isaiah 60, 22. And this is what she expected for our mission trip vision. Well, this is pretty profound. It says, 
The least of you will become a thousand, the smallest a mighty nation. I am the Lord. In his time, I will do this swiftly. And, you know, in the email, it's really, it's really cute because it's like broken English. She was like, before go to bed, I am challenged with this verse. So I waited, electric power, come back. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, I, oh, and I get this immediate picture in my mind, like, this, you know, this is, a re- she's really cute. She reminds me of my grandma. It's like this, you know, oh, when is the power going to come back? You know, send, send, send. You know, I have this picture in my mind. Because, you know, you don't, over there in the DR, you don't know when the power is going to go out. So it's like, oh, that's the kind of, she just wanted to give us this vision because she knew we were like in despair. What are we going to do? And, you know, that, that really kind of set the, the tone and the precedence for uh, this trip to the DR. And that became our vision. And, you know, God did amazing things with, this, with just four of us, you know, not only with our team inwardly. You know, those were some of the most precious moments in our team, you know, staying up late, just talking, speaking the gospel into each other and, uh, you know, <laughs> experiencing many different pains and difficulties especially when Joyce got hurt, you know, she ended up slipping on the bathroom floor, random incident, you know, woke up in the morning, slipped on the floor and, you know, we were eating at the time and all of a sudden Ryan and I, we were outside, we just heard this like, "Eh." we thought it was like (laughs) dogs and cats, what's going on? It seemed like in the early morning, why are the dogs out or something? "Eh." You know, sorry. (laughs) And then we're like, oh, my gosh, I think it's Joyce. So we ran. I was like, oh, she's like, you know, in pain. She injured herself in the weirdest way possible. Her foot went like this. You know, it's like, you know, not like that. Um, so, you know, we experienced a lot of things, but, you know, came back so incredibly blessed. And so, again, we, you know, thank you. Thank you so much for just your prayers. I really felt your prayers, you know. I really felt like there was a couple moments where I just really felt the presence of God with me yeah it's hard to describe what that's like it's not like this like you know oh god you're here you know but it's like this this security this um support that you just really feel and i really felt that i'm very i think our whole team is so thankful for your prayers and your support and for sending us many of you supported us financially and things like that but we're just so thankful and so you know today as we look you know you know, I want to share this verse. Um, it actually comes from the very next chapter, you know, of um, Pastora's uh, chapter in Isaiah 60. It actually comes from the next chapter uh, in chapter 61. And you can start flipping to there in uh, Isaiah 61, and we'll read from 1 through 11. But, um, you know, in this message, you know, part of it is, you know, kind of our time in VR, but also it's a challenge for us to go preach the gospel. You know, what, what is the gospel? It's simply the good news that Jesus died for us, right? That he came to save us, and because of his death, we have eternal life, we have joy, we have hope, we have peace, we have love. And this is a very special verse to me because when I went to Uzbekistan for my, you know, short-term mission trip, this, you know, this, the pastor, the family there, they gave me this verse. You know, they didn't have much to give me. Uh, but over in those places, you know, they give people Bible verses. And it's a really cool thing to do. Uh, and so as I was leaving, they gave me this verse, Isaiah 61. And so within this verse, we're going to see just these three big gospel themes of redemption, restoration, and rejoicing. And so it's my hope and prayer that this morning as we look at those themes, that you know, something will, in our hearts we'd be challenged. Man, this is our calling that is, is before us, to bring 
redemption to people, to redeem people, to restore people. And in, in so doing so, it produces rejoicing. Uh, and just a quick note about the Jubilee. That's what we're going to talk about. In verse chapter 61, if you look at the title, it's called the year of the Lord's favor. You know, DL, Pastor DL has talked about the Jubilee before, you know. Every 50 years, there will become a time where all the debts are, you know, are, are washed away. You know, no more debts. All the captives, all the slaves are free, right? You know, think about if they, they had this in like, uh, you know, in, in the past, right? With Abe Lincoln, you know, we're free. You know, they waited for this time. You know, the Jubilee, we want the Jubilee. We want to be free, you know? Uh, so all at this time, everything was washed. Everything, all the debts were cleared. All the people were, would forgive each other. Um, people would receive their land back. And so this is an amazing time that God had called for, this jubilee period. And this is what we're going to look at in this chapter today. And so we're going to break it up into uh, these three sections. But as we do, um, this one theologian, N.T. Wright, describes us as this. This is the period that we need to live in, this jubilee, this kind of attitude, this heart, this jubilee. That is what we're called to live in here, in the here and now. And so let's read from... uh, uh, this uh, chapter 61, verses 1 through 3. We'll break it up and just read a couple sections at a time. Uh, you can read with me. Um, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. Verse 2. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. And provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. You know, already you can see this is just an amazing passage, right? This call to go. The spirit of the Lord has anointed each one of us, anointed us to carry this gospel, to carry, to bind up the brokenhearted, all right? And, and so, you know, we aren't just going to missions because we have this happy feeling, oh, I love Jesus, so you should love Jesus, you know? Or you know, because we have this, you know, nice, you know, oh, this is what we should do, you know? Or it isn't just because we experience something amazing and we want other people to experience it, you know, like Harry Potter land. You know, everybody's been talking about, oh, you got to go see Harry Potter, drink the butter beer, do whatever, find your special wand at Ollivander's place, or is that right? And something like that, you know, and this isn't a Harry Potter, you got to go experience this, yeah. And then you, oh, well, actually, I heard it wasn't too good, but go experience it, because, you know, Harry Potter fans, regardless. Um, but it isn't just that, God is giving us this anointing. Anointing to preach this good news. It's something other than us. It's God living in us that these people need to hear this good news, and he has anointed you to do so. And the Bible says it you know, specifically. God's spirit is with you. And so we are anointed for what? For what purpose? And for whom? You see, and the Bible says for the poor, the brokenhearted, All right? those who are captive, those who mourn. Those who are in despair. And in the DR, we really we got to see this firsthand. Um, you know, DR is a, a poor country. You know, there's so many poor people. And then, you know, as always in these countries, there's the very few rich people. They, I was like, 
who who is driving Land Rovers here in DR? You all, 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 all you know, once in a while you see this like Land Rover just pull up, you know, like what the, <laughs> you know, after you know, in the midst of like all these like cars, most of the cars we ran in, you know, or we we drove in, it was like about to fall apart, you know. I I haven't driven in one of those cars in a while, but every moment you're like clinging to death. Am I going to die? Am I going to die? Because it's like rattling and places that. It, Sounds that shouldn't the car shouldn't be making is making those sounds like oh my gosh oh my gosh, um, but it's a poor country. Uh, for more than forty percent live in deep poverty. Forty percent—that's almost half. Forty percent of this country lives in poverty. Uh, you know, in the clip, I think you got to saw the video clip. You could see one of the homes that we were we were in when. Um, you know, our team was like raising their hands like this, you know, and like, you know, and, that, and then people were just worshiping. Uh, that's kind of a glimpse. That was one of the poor uh, neighborhoods. But if you looked at it, the walls are just like cement. And then I don't know if you got you could see up, but the ceiling was literally like this tin, like tin roof with like holes everywhere. And you're like, uh, if it rains, it's going to, you know, we're going to feel it, you know. And, you know, I don't know about you, but. I'm pretty anal about, like, having insects in the house. Um, you know, if I see an ant, I immediately, like, I, like, kill it, you know? Like, get out, you know? Get out of my food. That's my food, you know? Don't touch my food. Don't touch my stuff. You know, I try to follow where the, the ants are coming from, like, find it, you know, kill it, you know? Um, but over there, like, the houses are literally, like, holes, you know? There's, like, I see, it's, you know, it drives me crazy. Like, oh, my gosh. An ant can come from there. A spider can come from there. You know, and it, it can come from anywhere. It's like, you know, it's totally different mindset of a home in America and a home in DR. It's just bricks and then people living in there, you know, living with their friend Pedro the spider, you know. Um, um, but, you know, it's just this place is just so poverty, so much poverty, and, and you, it's just rife with that. Um and if we think about not just DR, but the world, if you think about it in terms of how much, how prosperous America is, you know, if you make 25000 per year, you are the richest 10% in the world. In the world. Can you believe that? Richest 10% if you just make 25000 per year. Richest, uh, richest 20, uh, 10%. And if you make 20000 you're the richest 15%. And so, you know, friends, even as we look at it, even 25,000 people die every day because of this poverty. And that's like, uh, this is a, a stat from UNICEF, but one person every three and a half seconds. And so, you know, not just poverty, but also we, we want to address not just the poor, but the captives, the people who are in bondage and enslaved to this world. And, you know, I, I want to, not just physically, because also there's many bondage you know, people who are in bondage physically because of sex slavery and all that stuff. But, you know, I want to talk about the spiritual aspect of bondage, you know, uh, not just the injustices, but the spiritual captivity that we are uh, entangled with. You know, if we aren't worshiping God, if you think about this world and all the people, if they're not worshiping God, they are worshiping something else. Something else in their life is what they're running after, is what satisfies them. And, you know, we all suffer in our lives. We all go through difficult times and difficult circumstances. But 
the greatest suffering in this world, the greatest suffering is separation from God. Friends, that's the greatest suffering. You think, you think people suffer? You know, oh, something, I lost my job and all that stuff. But what trumps all that is separation from God, not knowing the Savior, not knowing who Christ is and what God, uh, God can give them. And that's the greatest suffering. You know, people don't know who God is, people who are apart from God. And so that is, this is what we want to address. And that's why we see here in Isaiah this declaration to go, go. You are anointed to go, to set the captives free. And all those people who are enslaved to this world, enslaved to wrong things, we're called to that. Go, go set them free. Show them, liberate them. And it's kind of like, you know, I think we have to have these like spiritual Ray-Bans, all right, if you put them on, right? All of a sudden, you know, sometimes if you, okay, I think a little weirdly, uh, but, you know, sometimes imagine, you know, what if I could see all the things that are enslaving people, right? The, you know, if you look at, if you, if you just spiritual realm, people who are chained to this world, chained to, you know, uh, success and wealth and all those things. And if I could just really imagine it, I would just imagine these people just so chained. And, you know, it makes me realize, man, man, I need to, sh- I need to share the gospel. I need to show them, hey, you can be free. And so, friends, people aren't just suffering from poverty, but from a greater suffering. They don't know God. They don't know who Jesus is. They don't know his love, his grace, and his mercy. And so, you see, experiencing God's grace can change our hearts. It can change a life. Uh, Tim Keller tells us one story about this foreign film. This po- it, it's set in post-war Vietnam. And there's these two lovers. Okay, Well, not lovers yet, but two people, Han and Lan. Okay? Han and Lan. Um, Han is like this, like, cyclist, like Lance Armstrong. You know, he's training, training, live strong in Vietnam. Right? Training. And then he, he, he this one girl named Lon catches his eye. Uh, and Lon actually happens to be this beautiful prostitute who's, uh, you know, but also Han is living in poverty. But Lon, don't get confused, Lon, you know, she's prostituting herself, but she lives in all this wealth. Um, but the story goes like this, you know, Lon, she's trying to, you know, she's doing all this just so that she could be free. You know, she, she's trying to make this money just to uh, be free of this place. And, and one day, Han enters this race, the amazing race, and he wins the race. And he goes, yes, now I can, you know, show Lon my love. And so what he does is, you know, he purchases her and, you know, buys her for one night. And then, you know, instead of what, you know, people would do, you know, he, 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 did, he just said, yeah, I want to watch you sleep. You know, I guess that's romantic. Um, but, you know, and then she was like, you know, she was confused. Well, what are you doing? And, you know, instead of Han using his power to abuse her, he used his power to show her grace, right? He, to show her love and to show her, you know. And at first, you know, Lan couldn't understand that. So like, what's going on? She couldn't understand that. But this was the grace that he showed, you know. I, I'm not using you. I'm not, I don't want to use you. I want to show you what you're worth. I love you. I want to show you grace. And so because of his act, you know, that, that made Lon not return into prostitution. Um, and so Keller describes it like this. Christians are transformed as we accept 
how Christ served and died for us while we were unworthy of his love, right? Because we are unworthy and Christ died for us. You know, that's, that's how we are transformed. And so why wouldn't we offer, you know, why wouldn't we offer ourselves to this kind of amazing love? Friends, there are people all around us who need this amazing grace. They need to hear this truth. They need to know that God died for them. And God is calling us to be part of this redemptive story. Uh, secondly, God is calling us to participate in restoration. Uh, we'll read from verses 4 through 9. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Verse 5. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. 6. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations and their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of your disgrace, you will receive in your, your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. And all who see them will acknowledge that they are the people of the Lord and people the Lord has blessed. So you see, the result of this captivity, right? The result of our bondage to sin, to being slaves to sin is what? Brokenness, right? That's the result of that. Being captive to sin so much, we become broken people. Even now, many of us here are broken, Right? We've been broken by sin, broken by our mistakes, our, our failures. We are broken people. And again, I look at my time in the DR, and all around I see broken lives. Over 75% are born, children are born out of wedlock. Can you imagine that? You know, as I looked at all the kids you know, who come to VBS, 75% are born without a mother, born without a father, you know, a lot of us, we can't even imagine that because, you know, we have, you know, parents who love us and, you know, um, both parents. But over there, it's like a reality. That's life. 75%. They don't know who their dad is. You know, an interesting um, reason for this is formerly, you know, DR was this, you know, they had slaves and uh, the slave owners forbid the slaves from marrying, and thus this produced this lack of um, morality, this distortion of morality. And that's why you know they just you know they did all that stuff, you know. And so you know, as I look at that, you know, we went and did these. As I was describing, we did these huge VBSs, you know, this three-day mass VBS extravagance. You know, it's crazy. You know, over over here we have our nice VBS. You know, people come in, kids come. Oh, they sing. You know. Jesus loves me. I don't know, something like that. You know, they have fun, you go into the rooms. And then the big highlight is Holy Land. <laughs> Let's go to Holy Land, you know. Go to Holy Land. And, you know, once in a while, you know, kids get, you know, a little, you know, rough and, you know, they misbehave. But over there, it's like nonstop, like nonstop kids. Like, I don't know if you can imagine just like waves of kids. And we're like four Asians, <laughs> And they all want to touch us. You know, they all want to feel our hair. Oh, you know, because their hair is different. They all, you know, feel our hair. Uh, you know, when Biggie went a couple years ago, he had blonde hair. They're, like, amazed, you know, <laughs> an Asian with blonde hair, you know. And, you know, it's, it's crazy. They're just, they're attacking you. 
And, you know, just like Ryan, you know, they go, Yo, what's your name? What's your name? You know, I say, me, I'm Albert. And, you know, just like Ryan, they couldn't understand, though. Like, Albert? And I was like, okay, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in the DR. I need to speak Spanish. Alberto. <laughs> you know? Oh, Alberto. See, see. You know? Uh, but it's just, you know, it's, you picture all these hundreds of kids. Yeah, you what? Know, you know, started like 600, 700. We got into 800s, 900s. And these kids would come from all these different surrounding villages. And you just look at, look at them and you just see all this brokenness. And, you know, D.L. mentioned this in, uh, in the past, this illustration. But uh, they would sing this one song, La Nina de Tu Ojos, right? And, uh, you know, I sang it a I sang a couple times in DR. Ryan kept making me sing it because, uh, hey, they like this song. Like, I saw them. They were like going crazy, you know. But, uh, you know, it's cute when kids sing songs, you know, uh, especially when um, little Manny, Pastor DL's little, uh, little girl, sings uh, Yo Gabba Gabba, you know. Goodbye. Good. You know, so cute. Like, and I want to sing along with her and everything. Uh, but I think it's more significant when – they understand what the words are and what, what, what they're singing. And so this is the lyrics to this song. It says, you saw me when no one else saw me. You loved me when no one else loved me. You gave me a name. I am your child, the apple of your eye, because you love me, and I love you more than life. And, you, you know, I look at these broken children, and this, they're singing this song of this. Uh, but when they sing this song, you know, they're, they're all rowdy. But then when they start singing this song, they're all like, you know, some of them are crying. They're like closing their eyes. You know, they're hugging each other, you know, singing this song. And, you know, in that moment, they're singing these lyrics. You know, God, you saw me when no one else saw me. You loved me when no one else loved me. Showed me love. You gave me a name. I'm your child. You know, the apple of your eye. And so they sing with such joy. And that's why in verse 6, God calls us to be ministers. We're called to be ministers. Of, of God. We are called to be his hands, his feet, his messengers of the hope of the gospel. We are to be the ones who comfort, uh, comfort people and bring people out of their shame. You know, first Peter two nine, but you are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare uh, the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And so, you know, there was this, you know, poignant moment in DR when, you know, I got to be a part of being a minister of, you know, grace. There's this one, uh, one pastor uh, who's so faithful. His name is Pastor Raphael, you know, Donatello, Michelangelo, Raphael, right? And, um, you know, he'd been going through so much. He's so faithful. And I, I really respect him. But, you know, it's just random. I was, like, talking to him one day after prayer meeting, you know, in the morning. You know, just like, oh, yeah, weather and all this stuff. And then, you know, and then he just started opening up to me. And just he just shared his life and, you know, financially he's going through difficult times and he wants to see more members, leaders grow up, come, come up from the church. And I was like, OK, um, let me just pray for you. And, you know, I just spent we were like in the in the middle of the, you know, uh, the church, you know, outside the church. Just, I just put in my arm and just prayed for him. And then you know, as I was praying, just speaking, you know, praying the gospel over his life, you know, you know, after he, he was just in tears. In tears, and you know, I got to be a part of just ministering to him and you know, lifting him up, comforting him. And I think that's what all it takes sometimes uh, an encouraging word, uh, a, a simple hug, a simple smile as we uh, look to uh, share the gospel with other people. And lastly, as we do this, the result of redemption, the result of restoration is what? Rejoicing. 
Right, verse 10, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Uh, for as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all the nations. Friends, you see, when we live and know the gospel, it produces joy. Right, one of the greatest, one of our greatest assets, assets in uh, witnessing to people is joy, having joy in the midst of suffering, having joy in the midst of difficult circumstances. James one two three says, "Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance." We look to Christ for our joy. Um, but up until now, you know, as I've been talking about this. Um, this call to redeem, call to restore, the crux of this message is this as, as I close. Right? There can only, we can only redeem. We can only be a part of restoration only when we realize and know that one came to restore and redeem us. That Jesus came to redeem and restore us. Right? You see in Isaiah 61, as we just look back very briefly at this at the beginning of the verse, as we look at verse 3, right, to bestow on them a crown of beauty. The key word here is instead. And this is the Messiah that is over us. This is what he is doing for us every moment of our lives, every second. That, that if we accept it, he will, it's this glorious exchange, right? The key word instead, to bestow on us a crown of beauty. And what does he get? He gets the ashes, to give us joy, the oil of joy. We get joy. And what does he get? He gets the mourning. And instead of despair, you know, all our despair, all our hurts, Jesus takes that on the cross. And what do we get? We get to praise. You see, we can only go. We can only uh, go forth with this gospel unless we know this gospel in our hearts and our lives and know that Jesus is the one who makes this transformation. And therefore, it's a call to die. It's a call to die. You know, as we look at the parable of the seeds, you know, a seed has to die first to produce fruit. Right? Ironically, that's what happens. A seed dies. But the soil is what gives it the growing power. Right? You know, you take, a, take like this seed in your hand, and you, you like, you try to make it grow. You know, grow. Uh, whatever. <laughs> grow. Right? It won't grow. The seed has to go in the ground for the soil, you know, and that's just like our hearts. Our hearts need to die in the soil so that it might grow. And that's what it is a call to surrender. You know, practically, you know, God may ask you to do something that you may not want to do. You know, many of us, we don't want to surrender. You know, we don't, we don't want to give up what we, what we have. But the reality is this. Either way, you're going to die. You know, either way, you're going to go out being your own master, being your own Lord and doing whatever you want. Or you're going to die to yourself. And in dying to yourself, you're going to truly live. And I think, lastly, one of the greatest barriers to this surrender is comfort. You know, we are so comfortable. I experienced this firsthand. We, all four of us, experienced this firsthand in the DR. 
the first day that we get there, you can't sleep because it's so hot and mosquitoes are everywhere. You know, I, I went into this one bathroom. You know, I had to go really bad, and uh, it was it was a place that I probably shouldn't have gone bathroom in. I went and opened the door. When I opened, it, oh, so all these like flies, you know, everywhere. I was like, oh, it's just like gnats, you know. This is like a little gnat. So I just, you know, did my business. Well, I walked out. Those weren't gnats. Those were mosquitoes. You know, apparently, like, mosquitoes there, like, they're like this, you know. But mosquitoes here, you know, they're a little bigger. You know, they're fatter. Uh, but, you know, I realized, oh, my gosh, my legs were covered in mosquito bites. You know, and you realize, man, I don't – that doesn't happen to me here in America. You know, that, I live in such comfort. Over there, you don't know when the power is going to go out. You know, people, people will just like at night, that's what they do. They just wait for the power. When is the power going to come on? And the power comes on. And you don't realize what an inco- inconvenience that is. And it's this comfort that we have to wrestle with. And I realized that more and more in my heart, as my life and heart gravitate toward comfort, I realize the more easily I compromise. The more I gravitate toward this comfort, the more my values and morals become lax. Friends, the harsh reality is that some of us, we don't even need Jesus. Some of us, we could go weeks on end without asking for Jesus, asking Jesus for anything. Because why? Of the very fact that we are so very comfortable with our lives. We're so comfortable with the status quo. We're so comfortable with all that we have. If we're hungry, Burger King. If we're hungry, we just go and eat something. Feed myself, you know? If we're tired, go home, take a nap. You can do whatever you want. I do what I want. We do what we want. Because we're so comfortable with our lives. But the reality is this. You know, in places like DR, in in these third world countries, they don't have that comfort. All they have is Jesus. When somebody gets sick, when somebody is hurt or something happens in their lives, they can't just call up the doctor. Uh, this is my insurance number, and yeah, give me all the drugs right now. <laughs> Stop this pain. You know, they can't do that. Jesus is an absolute necessity for them, and some of us, it's hard to picture that because we live in America with the land of the free, with everything. You know, we have every, you know, McDonald's, we have Best Buy, all these places. We could just go and use our money to get whatever we want. We can't picture. Jesus being absolutely everything often. But this is their reality. And Jesus says the road isn't easy. The road isn't easy. The cross is not some velvet cross. And we have these shoulder pads that we can, you know, carry the cross in. You know, you know when I got tired of carrying my golf, I wish I had golf clubs. I wish I had those rollers. I want to roll my golf club you know, everywhere. So heavy, you know. We don't have, we, that's not the cross. The cross Demands more than that. You know, sadly, you know, our, even our prayer times, 99% of our prayer times are common suffering and is a result of our own sin. You know, we, we pray, oh, oh, my back hurts. You know, we pray, oh, man, I hate, I hate my boss. I hate well, this is a terrible, you know, situation, blah, 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 blah. But did Jesus die so we could live the American dream? Did Jesus die so that we could live just in comfort, just to be comfortable? No, friends, his blood is too precious. 
His blood is too precious. His sacrifice too great. And so God is calling us to die, die to ourselves, die to our comforts, and to live in the jubilee. This verse that we read, the jubilee is not just the jubilee initiative. It's not just the jubilee program, but it's the jubilee to live in the here and now. Right, right when we leave these doors, we're called to this jubilee life of going forth with this anointing. And so this is the spirit of the Lord that has placed upon us. Um, let's take a moment as we. Uh, just pray and as we think about just this message this calling that god has placed over us you know we're gonna send out the ecuador team in just a very little in just a couple moments from now we're gonna send them out but as we do let's be reminded that again we're all we're all we're all called to these we're either called to go send or we're gonna disobey and as we think about this message the call to proclaim God's good news, even as we're sending the team in Ecuador, we should also be sending ourselves to this world, to our, to our communities, to our workplaces. And so, friends, let's take a moment. Maybe we've become too comfortable with our life, too comfortable with even our Christianity. And so comfortable that we've, it's blinded us to see the broken. It's blinded us to see the reality that there are people who need the gospel. And so, friends, let us take some time maybe to confess and repent of just this comfort in our lives and that we might truly die to ourselves so that we might truly live. Let's take a moment to pray now. Father, the, you've called us to this great task. But we know that it's not on our own that we do this. And so I pray, God, over all our hearts and all our lives, that we would hear the simple voice of the one calling us. And that voice would be so clear. And that, that voice would lead us to repentance. That voice would lead us to see that there is a glorious call over our lives, that there is a glorious purpose that we are called to live, that we don't just wake up in the morning just to go to work and go go to school and come home, eat food and go to sleep and get ready for the next day, but that ultimately, Lord, there is a greater call over our lives, and that is to preach the good news, to be your hands, to be your feet. And so I pray, God, help us, help us to repent of our comfortable life. Help us to see the lost. Help us to know that there are people who need to hear just a simple truth. Hey, you are loved. Hey, there's a God who loves you. Hey, there's somebody who, who knows you inside and out, who has a purpose over your life. We pray that that would be our conviction. We pray that we would see just your example and that you do that for us. That you did that for us 2,000 years ago. 
that you died on the cross so that we might have this life, have this joy unspeakable. And so we thank you, God. We ask God as we send, as we prepare to send our Ecuador team out, that we will send us with this vision in mind, that they will, they will be anointed to preach the good news. We thank you, Lord. It's in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen.